your COVID concert questions answered. I couldn't finish that out with an alliteration on the Music Universe podcast. Oh, Matt, are you uh, are you stir crazy yet? Because I know you've been pretty much cooped in your house for what four months. Stir crazy is not what I would call it. I'm very good at making use of my own time. Uh, stir crazy, yes, in that it's the same thing day in and day out. I wake up at six thirty. I get on the clock by seven. I'm off the clock by three. In bed by ten forty-five to get eight hours of sleep. And I have my routine. I'll tell you, I watch a little bit of the Great British Baking Show. I watch one segment, (laughs) one challenge of an episode per night while my meds kick in that knock me to sleep. I don't take I don't take sleeping pills. I just take medicine that that, that's the side effect. And then I put on forensic files, put the TV on a timer and fall asleep. Uh, It's the routine. I'm very routine oriented. So that that can make a person go stir crazy because you have to break from it. But it can also be soothing because you know what you have to look forward to. Like when we're done here, I'm going to go eat dinner, going to go watch some TV, going to eat, going to maybe edit a podcast or two of my own. Yeah, you know, I'm back to normalcy for the most part. I've learned, if anything, do not lay down right after you eat. Because you just gain weight. <laughs> I, I've learned that over the quarantine. I realized that's what some of my issues were. I, I'd be just so tired. I, I'd come home and eat and then I'd just lay down. I wouldn't do anything. So now the podcast is keeping me busy. The the, the website always has. And, and it's just grown You know, with the responsibilities that we are doing now. And uh, I am just enjoying it. So I personally say the, the pandemic for me could continue just so I have even more time to focus on this but you know I guess you all I guess we all got to get back to it at some point um I just hope the cases that are blowing up here in California don't do a you know a swip swap where we end up uh closing again because I don't know if places are going to be able to handle that well you know the pandemic has been a boon for me as well I created just in the last couple of weeks (laughs) I have two beds in my bedroom I have my bed and I have a guest bed because we don't have a guest bedroom. So they just sleep on the other. They social distance. If we have a guest, they sleep in my room. There you in go. This, in this bed. So I said, I said, I have an idea. And so we pushed the other bed against the other wall and c- created a home studio. Put a bookshelf that had been tucked away in a corner against this wall so that I can move my TV that I watch between my nightstand and this bookshelf and do little little YouTube videos, little videos. I have a 4K camera. I have a teleprompter. I have good lighting. I have a whole setup to do this really, really well. Only problem was it was a white wall. So we went to Joanne Fabrics and we got a navy blue, not black because black just sucks the the life out of anything, but a navy blue so that it's dark and matted but didn't look like you were looking into a void. Navy blue curtain like just fabric and tacked it to Mm -hmm. this wall and so now and i have a little desk and everything you can't see it but it's it's under me i keep all my recorder and everything there so now i can do youtube videos and when we first came home for the pandemic an idea struck me for a weekly roundup of headlines and i did it i use for work i have a big television monitor in my office 
but it didn't the camera didn't shoot it right you you had these newer TVs are better for pointing and shooting a camera at this older TV that I right. have is not so it didn't work I tried it I tried it with a green screen it, it just didn't work and we shelved it and finally when I realized hey I could convert the bedroom little corner of the bedroom into this space it's been it's been excellent and so we've been producing it's called weekend notes and I do it every single weekend that I can uh, some days I produce it on Thursdays, some days I produce it on Fridays. So if you hear that the stories are a little dated, uh, that's why. But I'm really excited about it because I love just getting to the meat and bones. What's going on in music? How does that affect you? Oh, yeah, totally. What can we do? And eventually we might fold in Skype interviews and make it look more, a look more a little bit like a talk show type deal. Not as involved as this or our Instagram Lives but just something to give you guys something on a Saturday to look forward to because I think we're all still in a what's a Saturday mode if you're staying home. So just <laughs> something fun to look forward to on the, week, on the weekend that gives you some, uh, some stories and maybe may make you want to dig into it a little deeper and head over to themusicuniverse.com and read the full articles that we have on those stories that I cover. You know, it's uh, really something that we had even before this been talking about and uh, really helped us uh, be able to pull this together. So I'm excited and, uh, you know, Weekend Notes is uh, something new that we're going to add to our repertoire and just hopefully keep building. Um, there are anywhere from two to three minutes right now, but who knows? We get some of these uh, interviews and guests, you know, maybe we can uh, make them a little longer. <laughs> You're funny, buddy. I, I I think I'm gonna cap out at five minutes on these because I just don't have the time to edit a twenty minute. Although I would love to get there, I would love to have a twenty minute weekend notes on a Saturday. I would love that, but I don't know. Unless some things change, I don't think it's necessary. <laughs> Neither do I. It, it, the whole point is a the whole point is like one of those uh, MTV news bulletins, you know. So. Not that we're bringing MTV back, but it's something fun to be able to do. And Matt, thanks for producing that. And, uh, you know, we, we do our best to keep material as, as fresh as possible. All your COVID questions conquered. I found it. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I just have outbursts. It's okay. Yes. And this gentleman that is going to conquer our COVID questions is probably going to be a guest on Weekend Notes to give us a little bit of an update. His name is Jack Foreman. He is an agent with Bicoastal Productions. He works in all manner. He's an agent, so he represents the artists and work with the, and works with promoters on that level. And this was a really in-the-weeds kind of conversation. I won't fault you if you just come here for the fun artist interviews, but we really do dive into what is it going to look like when this is over? When will it be over? Because it's kind of like fading into the background and it could come back. It's not like, okay, social distancing and staying at home is over. We can go back to a concert this weekend. They have to take steps. The world is changing. And that's what we talked with Jack about. And it's, it's really fun. Did you, did you find it insightful? Did you enjoy it? Were you, were you surprised by anything? Oh, absolutely. This is the, I live for the behind the scenes business stuff of this, you know, as being a, a musician myself, I, was heavily involved in that as much as I could be. There, there were times where I wasn't practically allowed, and, you know, that's why I'm not with a band right now. But um, just the insightfulness that he gave us and about 
what he's predicting for the future. I mean, he's living this day to day, you know, the, the main thing, mm-hmm. the main points of discussion. In fact, the main reason we chatted with him was the whole live nation controversy that uh, leaked last week that we reported on. And we just get right down to it. There's no bones about it. We asked two questions. Third question is live nation. And he, he gives both sides. So I don't want to ruin anything. We can recap it after the interview. I think we should just air the interview and let yeah. everybody. Um, it, this is an interview everyone should hear if they're concert goers. Exactly. It's an interview that kind of talks about itself. I found myself kind of talking almost a little bit as much as he would give an answer. I would take the same amount of time to get my thoughts out. So we can't really set it up that well. It kind of has to be set up as you listen to him. So just enjoy our interview with talent agent Jack Foreman. Jack Foreman, welcome to the Music Universe podcast. How are you, sir? Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Well, it is such a pleasure to have you. Um, We have really wanted to talk to somebody in your line of work because I think it's fair to say this is totally unprecedented, right? Uh, (laughs) That's one way of putting it. Yeah, Uh, we've been experiencing quite an interesting couple of months here where uh, we've all been tested in one way or another. So uh, agents are kind of in the middle of it all between the venues, the artists, the promoters, and just about everybody who... uh, is really looking for answers. How is everyone affected by this? I mean, everyone's affected many different ways, but how is, how are the artists, how are the promoters, how are the venues, even the fans affected by, by this shutdown? Well, I guess to start from the end with fans, fans are very affected because they have to now get used to new ways of consuming their entertainment content. Um, so, you know, and they're, they're going to vary in terms of their comfort levels, depending on age and where they live. So it's going to be a bit across the board, but a lot of them are going to have to get used to potentially a new look and feel of the traditional concert venue. Uh, you know, at the venue level, a lot of these venues are unfortunately suffering and on the brink of uh, closure, for lack of a better term. A lot of them are desperately seeking government aid at the time. Um, a lot of the gig economy workers, you know, the people who run sound, lights, stage crew, things like that, they're all suffering because, you know, if there's no events, they're not getting hired, they're not getting paid. And a lot of the administrative staffs have been uh, on furlough. So the ones who are still working are really just trying to be crafty and find new ways, especially if uh, they're now able to open, which is, uh, again, different depending on where you're living. And for the artists, it, it's, it's got to come down to their comfort level with actually getting back out there. Uh, and for those that are not trying to get actively back out there with some of the things that um, have been happening, you know, with drive-in movie theaters or things like that, they're having to find new ways of engaging their audiences from at home. And a lot of them have done it. You know, streaming is, is, the, obvious, uh, is the obvious answer. But, you know, once you've done enough free streams, you still got to account for that. Uh, lost amount of income during this time. So, you know, agents are kind of married to it all where we're, we're only really making money if our artists are making money. And our artists are right now trying to find new ways. And that's really been the biggest thing we've been doing is trying to find new ways of helping these artists put money in their pocket and survive and, you know, in some way, shape or form be better. But it's been nice. I mean, we've definitely, you know, come to terms with what's been happening. We've all gotten to spend some extra time with our families. And 
uh, it's really given us an opportunity to reinvent the way we look at this. And uh, we've been able to come up with some great ways. What do you make of Live Nation cutting the cutting their artist guarantee by 20 percent? Does that seem fair to you? Is, is there a compromise that the artists would want to come to? What are you seeing working with promoters and guarantees? Well, uh, it's about the eighth time I've been asked that question today. Um, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I think. I mean, if you read the memo that was leaked and you read it in its entirety, you'll realize that a majority of their language is pertaining to festival artists. Now, I'm always on the side of the artist, you know, because, you know, my artists are my everything. But if you look at festivals historically from our side of the table, uh, and I'm, I'm guilty of this just as much as most agents are, it is a wonderful opportunity for us to demand a much higher fee for our artists in most cases with these festivals. Um, you know, even coming up, working in electronic music and hip hop, you'd see these artists who were used to getting maybe five, ten thousand $10,000 a show and then all of a sudden they'd get booked by Coachella or they'd get booked by a big Live Nation festival and they'd be demanding thirty to 40000 And you'd think to yourself, well, you know, that's a gimme. That's a good opportunity for them to really earn that money, as they should. You know, these festivals generate so much in, in the scale of revenue with all the different things that they have going on. And, you know, an artist, if they're going to lose 20% of what they're asking at festivals you kind of want to look at it like that, um, you know, where it's maybe not as big a loss as you might think when it comes to the actual festivals. Now, for regular venues, it, it is a bigger hit. It's a bigger hit no matter what, because 20% less is still 20% less no matter who it's going to, a big artist or a small artist. What really, really scared me the most, or not even scared me, but just kind of made me scratch my head a little bit on that memo was uh, the artist cancellation. You know, having to give back double the artist guaranteed amount. And I understand that too. I mean, I understand that Live Nation has all these front end expenses that if an artist cancels, they're not going to be able to recoup and all the loss will have been on yeah, them. Yeah, but shouldn't they be insured However, against, so, sorry to interrupt, yeah. but shouldn't they be insured against their artists, against that kind of situation so that the artist only has to give back the, the guarantee? I mean, you're basically making the artist insure the promoter and that seems a little backwards doesn't it it does and you know what if if they are able to ensure enough of this it's you're going to see a lot more of a cut and dry answer the only issue is that you can't really provide an insurance if an artist is just not feeling comfortable with traveling you know if you have an artist who is immunocompromised or they may have something going on in their lives that they're not willing to share that just says, you know what, I'm not comfortable getting on a plane, even though the airports are open, even though the, the festival is on, um, the artists may still need to cancel and they should have the right to do that. You know, I'm again, I'm on the side of the artist here, but at the same time, this isn't as black and white as it was when I first read it. Um, I, I definitely hope there's a way for Live Nation to uh, continue to compromise on this. And uh, I'm sure there's going to be a number of artists that speak out against it. But when it comes to festivals, I think you're going to hear a lot less complaining. But once it starts to impact brick and mortar venues and other types of events around the country, that's where it really starts to hurt many, many artists. But, um, you know, that's something where we've had to really play a difficult hand in the middle of the two. It really hasn't been something that's been a fun position to Here's take. Here's something a little conspiratorial. Do you think they leaked that the memo was leaked? 
almost in a way to be an olive branch to say that they're open to negotiating, that they kind of went high in the hopes of meeting somewhere in, in the middle and getting it all out in the open right away. Like, do you think this is a negotiating tactic that could actually favor the artist and meet somewhere maybe at 15 or a, a 10% rollback? Does it sound like they're open to compromise to you? Well, potentially. I mean, when these leaks happen, it's almost always from somebody within intentionally. You know, there, there, there's very rarely a breach or a leak that wasn't meant to have ac actually happened. Um, so I'm sure it was leaked intentionally by whomever it was. Uh, I don't know how how fluid they're going to be with this. You know, if they're going to be making a demand of all 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 artists they book, chances are they're going to want to uphold it as much as possible without allowing so much exception. Because if they make one exception or two exceptions, it's not going to have as much as much weight behind it especially at an agency level where if one agent says oh don't worry call them back they're gonna you know i just got i just got them to drop it down to 10 percent or you know they're they're gonna be they're gonna be strict on it but at the same time i don't even know if it's gonna be able to last very long because there is enough backlash about it they knew there'd be enough backlash about it but I think Live Nation has been in such survival mode during this pandemic that, and it's, it's all been out in the open, you know, securing this massive $500 million investment from um, the Saudi Arabian Public Investment Fund. You know, that's, that, it, it didn't make as big of an impact as some people think, but to me it did. You know, that's a big, that's a big head in the mix all of a sudden. And the furloughs, obviously, which everybody heard about, and then the refund policies that they were issuing with, with uh, Ticketmaster. You know, they tried to be transparent with that. And I think this was also a kind of a strange effort of trying to be transparent in what they're going to be doing with artists. So it's very easy to get mad at it. And I certainly was when I read it. But um, I definitely don't necessarily see it as black and white. I think there is going to be some alteration to it. And I think that they also put it out there just to test the waters and see what people thought. You know, that makes a lot of sense, because when I reported that last week, uh, I come from an uh artist background performing myself and that just really made me angry yeah. that they would do that so uh, kind of a two-parter here for you is even though that is mostly directed at festivals could that actually be directed also towards the 2021 tours that were postponed or canceled from this year and do you think the artists because they're the ones that you know draw the crowds you think they have the upper hand here in the negotiations it depends on the tour. I mean, some it, it, what it really all comes down to is the amount of expenses that were not able to be deferred, that were lost outright, and they were lost on the part of the promoter. And so often, you know, promoters are so used to having much of the risk on their shoulders, unless it's a smaller artist who's willing to uh, play for a back end. But these big, big shows and these big, big corporate promoters, you know, not only Live Nation, but, you know, Golden Voice AG and some of the regionals out there, they, they're going to they're gonna be changing a little bit of how much risk they're actually willing to take from now on. Because they were willing to take it because they had a big corporate piggy bank. But now it's not as, it's not as carefree and easy anymore because they're still going to have a lot of cancellations even into 2021. You know, you're going to have stuff scheduled and, and then a local government may say otherwise, uh, whereas in another state, they may be happy to have everybody. Um, you know, I'm from Wisconsin originally, and, uh, you know, they're having there's like no rules right now. It's crazy to read. You know, they're having a festival, I guess, to they're calling it like a herd immunity festival. 
um, which is funny and scary at the same time. I, I, I really think that you're gonna you're gonna see a lot of these big 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 brick and mortar promoters, you know, diminishing the amount of risk they take. And if they've already taken the risk and committed it, a lot of them are not going to be afraid to ask for a renegotiation. I've had it with promoters I've been working with for years where they said, look, I know we have a signed contract, but I, I'm not going to stay open if everybody holds me to the deals that I agreed to when there was no pandemic. Fair enough there, but is it fair that now the promoters are practically requiring the artists to have these massive insurance policies that really could bankrupt the artists themselves. I mean, does that seem fair to you that they, in that language, that they're holding them accountable with the insurance? Well, it shouldn't all be on the artist. I mean, I think that it should be, both of them should have their own insurance. I mean, it's very, very common for agencies to carry insurance that will cover their artists. I know we have a policy that um, we'll use to sometimes cover our artists when it's required by the promoter. Uh, So that's really nothing that's terribly new. for an artist to take out a $1 million general liability insurance policy on a single show is not going to cost them as much as you might think. Uh, and, and for a tour, same thing. It's, it, you know, for a whole tour, it's going to cost a few thousand dollars. But when you think of what it guarantees and the comfort it brings the promoter, you know, it's going to make a lot more sense for a high grossing tour. But on a single show basis, um, it's not as expensive. But at the same time, it should not be all on the artist. The promoter should also have to carry a high level ins- of insurance. Um, they're just—they're really just trying to flip the script here of who carries the biggest amount of risk, who's left holding the bag at the end of the day. Because so many of the promoters were screwed together by this, and you know, agents were screwed and artists were screwed, but they still were able to enforce parts of their contract to say, "You agreed to give me this, and I'm collecting on it." And however that's going to affect the relationship moving forward is—is is what you're going to see being told now. We know on our end as journalists that. Venue and promoter are interchangeable now. When an agent tells me contact the venue, they mean contact Live Nation. They mean contact AEG. They mean contact the promoter. What do you see happening to these large mega corporation promoters in this pandemic, especially the ones that own venues? Because it seems like everything, radio, television, even concert promoting now is under you know, there's three companies that own everything in each of those industries. Do you see this as an opportunity for smaller promoters, for smaller venues, uh, and even venues that are not ma- that are managed by promoters, to get out from under those thumbs and for independent venues to kind of crop up anew? Yeah, I mean, you're seeing it right now with uh, with Neva. You know, all the venues that are independent uniting to basically beg Congress for the aid that they deserve. You know, they're the ones who are likely not going to survive this if something isn't done. And the promoters are, are really behind it because these promoters, they may have their own venues that they are used to are, are used to running or they even own them. But these big promoters will rent venues anywhere, especially if they have an exclusive on a tour. So I think that the, the smaller venues or the independent venues at the very least really are having a voice that they've never heard right now. Uh, because so many artists are getting involved with it. I think um, last week I saw something with Billie Eilish just supporting Neva. That's where all these artists get started. And that's where a lot of them are going to are gonna really rally as things come back. They're not going to necessarily go right back out to the massive mega Live Nation venues. They may do some grassroots things that they were used to doing at the top of their careers. Uh, 
it's still a very heavy market. And some people, especially the hipsters like me, love the less corporate feeling concerts. But uh, at the same time, it's, it's inevitable. You know, these live, live Nation is really the en only the enemy you make it. Uh, it can be an enemy in terms of their monopoly over a lot of these, a lot of these ways we experience live music, but they also offer opportunities because of their vast, vast corporate reach around the world. Uh, and it's, it's at various levels. I mean, here in the States, it's very, very corporate and it's very, very set up. But, you know, when you're working with Live Nation internationally, I was, I was working on something with Live Nation in Belgium a few months ago, and it, it, it felt very, very different than when you're working with something with them here in the States or in Canada or even in South America. It felt like I was working with a local regional promoter who, you know, was doing the math, was doing their diligence to really make sure that the event made sense in all aspects. And if you blow it up at a bigger level, that's really all it is. But there's a little bit more in the corporate reserve, especially now where they've where they've raised all this money in these past few months. Yeah. And, and do you see uh, any artists potentially jumping ship from Live Nation if they just don't uh, come to terms? Probably. You know, there's going to be a there's going to be a protest. I mean, I've been seeing it a lot in uh, the rock, metal and hardcore scene. You know, they've all been kind of revolting against it on social media. But there's only so far these people can stray before they box themselves out. I mean, a lot of people have very, you know, fruitful and successful careers without doing a single AG or Live Nation show or a Nederlander show the entire the entire year. You know, they they there's enough independent venues, performing arts centers especially, which is really a sphere that I I work heavily in and casinos, you know, that there's a lot outside that bubble where they can make a healthy living and agents are talking to these people anyways. Um, you know, it's nice to have a promoter that can route all the tours or assume a lot of the risk and guarantee you a certain amount, but people are going to be reticent about touring in general for the next two years. They're going to be reticent about renting a bus or going out for a month. They're going to be looking to do smaller bursts if they can because so many of these venues are not going to have the means to pay big tour dollars for quite some time. They're going to be opening at a scaled down capacity and you know, supplementing that empty that empty seat with a virtual ticket buyer. Will we get back to normal? Will we get to back to pre-pandemic enjoyment of concerts eventually? Yes, but it won't look the same. It'll be it'll be an enjoyment of concerts in a live sense, but it'll be different. Even when the venues are able to open up at full capacity, my prediction that I'm basically betting heavily on is that there's always going to be a new offering for most places for a virtual engaged audience. I heavily believe that a lot of these venues with empty seats are going to be segmenting those empty seats with virtual ticket buyers. You know, if you have a, if you have a, two, a, a thousand seat venue and only 200 seats are allowed to be sold, you're going to want to segment those 800 seats with a virtual ticket and you know have a very minimal yet yet good broadcast of that show going live and it's already happening it's already being put into place by these venues who are who are not going to be able to sustain the scale down model for very long you know they've been operating on such a shoestring um, budget and a shoestring mentality of spending for all these years and just barely getting by that now this model is only going to be good for them and cute enough for so long you know, I've seen a lot of people doing the live stream stuff, and now we got the drive-in concerts and things like that. But that's still got to 
be even even with that you know you still have the production people you still have that risk there so i i guess it's just kind of up to each artist and where they feel at this point yeah i think you know i i cannot wait for venues to be full again for festivals to be back on and for my artists to feel comfortable getting on a plane to go to london to play for a weekend i mean right now a lot of the artists that are booked over there you know they just they, they'd rather defer it to next season but you know the and it's going to be it's going to be a lot more i think than a, a vaccine because the vaccines are you know that we romant romanticize them in our heads as we're you know hearing about the developments but it's not going to be a quick cure for the entire world it's going to have to return in phases kind of like the government is opening it up but it's not going to be a set phase it's going to be the phases of comfort especially for the older audiences who are willing to pay for the higher tickets um, if you think about it, you know, a, a 60 year old may feel more comfortable paying a $60 ticket than a 30 year old would be to go see a show at a casino. Um, it, it's, it's really different across the board, but I, I think it will return to its glory. It just may look a little bit different and there may be a lot more health and safety precautions taken, which I think isn't going to hurt anybody in the end. Well, it's interesting you say that because I don't think we're going to shut down like this again. We're going to have to cope um, in some way. I don't think we're going to shut down like this. I think you're seeing it with Florida and Texas. They're starting to incrementally regionally place restrictions as cases come back. But the whole state is not going on lockdown is my understanding. So we're go we're going to have to forge through and just get to the end of the tunnel. I mean, the joke is this is the longest two weeks we've ever had. Because it was supposed to be two weeks to flatten the curve, but, you know, masks became ideology. The actual medicine became ideology. So we're fighting against all of this to get back to a normal. So I, I think you are exactly right. I think we're going to see a cultural shift. And for the time that we can't have full capacity, I like that idea. I like virtual tickets. I personally think any date should be two nights. So Buddy and I, we have tickets. He's on the West Coast. I'm on the East Coast. We have tickets to go see Garth Brooks in Las Vegas at Allegiant Stadium. At this point, probably not going to happen. Haven't even bought my flight. But what I would love to see is if by late August, if they know where things are, and they said, okay, we're going to social distance everybody, and we're going to do it over two or three nights, and we're going to do 20000 a night at at in the stadium and social distance people. Does that sound like a possibility to you putting artists in places for, for longer just to get the, that to that full capacity over a variety of nights? Yeah, I think it's going to have to. And we're, we're seeing that heavily. I mean, there's going to be a lot of artists that are going to be cool with it off the bat. You know, some are going to necessarily take convincing, but if, uh, if Garth Brooks is the artist whom we've all grown to know and love, he's going to be cool with a lot. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's always, he's always found a way. Um, if you've watched that documentary about him recently, which was really, really good. Uh, but I think, uh, I, I think that it's exactly right. Most of my artists now are being asked to have a second show contingency, which um, I think is, is fair, you know, don't you? I mean, it's, it's fair to think that um, if they're only going to be able to play half cap, let's, let's do a second show instead. Let's, you know, maybe not even two nights, but two shows in one day. If it's a theater, maybe like a like a like a performing arts center, do a seven p.m. and a nine p.m. like the comedians do, 
I, I definitely think you're going to see more of it, and it's it's going to be over multiple nights. And a lot of artists are going to be surprisingly okay with it, and not ask for that much more money because they're already there, and they'd rather not lose the show outright. They'd rather get paid the same and work a little bit harder. You know, that kind of brings me back to where everybody, you know, wasn't or isn't getting paid. Kind of a, a, an inside thing uh, that I'm curious about. Would most, especially major artists, would, would their band and crew mostly be on salary? And uh, if not, I guess that's just kind of a show-by-show -show basis and they're just kind of in the same boat as the artists. Yeah, a lot of bands, believe it or not, that you, that you know and love, only... You know, only a few of them uh, in the band are not on salary. A lot of the players are independent contractors who have a set amount they're making. You know, because if, if especially for legacy bands where there may be only two or three original members, you know, and there's five people in the band, those other two or three guys are going to be getting a uh, an agreed upon rate as just like the the tour managers, the merch sellers, and uh, the tech crew and the front of house managers. You know, these are people that get paid when the show is happening and when it's not happening these artists who are running the show are really having to find alternative ways but to their credit quite a number of artists are really getting involved to keep their crews sustained um i i know that brandy carlisle just did it with um, she did a birthday show on this platform veeps that we work with and it was purely to benefit her her touring crew because right now they're out of work and she wanted to do something to um you know, raise some money to help put money in their pockets. And uh, comedians are doing it for the workers at comedy clubs who are out of work right now. I know uh, Mike Birbiglia is doing it. It's really, it's really going to be, a lot of artists are going to start going out for the sake of keeping their group together because um, some of these artists who are well off can afford to stay at home for a year or two and sit this one out, but their bands and their crews are going to be looking for other work if they're not able to be sustained. Let's end with this. What is your prediction? By when will we be back to regular pre-pandemic levels of touring, concert attendance, and just general frivolity around music? When do you think we'll see that? Including meet and greets. Well, I mean, I, I was asked this question in March when we had to start mapping out uh, the next few months and projecting how bad of a loss everybody was going to take. And I said, you know what, let's put a benchmark in for the end of April at the worst. And my the partners of the company were like, uh, why don't you put it for August or September even? And I was like, okay, you know, that seems a little crazy, but I'll, I'll indulge. And sure enough, now I think that putting it in August or September is, is crazy because it's probably going to be more like later this fall or even into next year. Um, I think that it's going to be second to third quarter of 2021 where we start seeing sense of normalcy especially if the second wave of this virus that they're predicting can be managed and if uh, if enough immunity can be built up, not only within the person, but within these communities of, of fighting it. Um, and, and once these venues can find a way of being sustained, my prediction would it probably, it would probably be second to third quarter of 2021. I know for the artists and the industry, it's, it's going to feel like much later, but for the people who consume the music, you know, and buy the tickets, I would I would look forward to next summer, um, but also be ready for anything to happen in 2021. I would I, I would make sure you read the terms and conditions for every ticket you buy in the year of 2021, so that you can be ready if your event gets you know postponed, canceled, or what have you, because you can't you can't just have this blind faith anymore when it comes to live gatherings, and that's not just for concerts, but it's for 
sporting events and the 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 one advantage that sporting events have is uh, their ability to be televised and you're seeing a lot of them come back that way and they're hurting but they're at least finding a way to power forward with it wonderful well jack foreman this was a treat we've been wondering about a lot of this speculating a lot about it too on our on our episodes here as we interview artists and just talk ourselves on the podcast thank you i appreciate you guys having me on I'm so glad we finally got to talk to somebody who is in this business, in this industry, on that side of it, because we've been speculating on, on so much of this. Oh, yeah. And we've reached out to some people, too, to, to try to get them on. And uh, thankfully, Jack agreed. And, um, you know, he's he's apparently been fielding these questions for quite a while. And, uh, you know, it's just expected that things are going to change. Um. One thing I didn't really get to ask him because I, I felt like we were um, going a little long was how are meet and greets going to be affected by this? Yeah. I, I think you'll see social distancing. I think you'll see no touching. You might see fist bumps. But I don't think it's going to last. Like, honestly, I think we're going to get to summer 2021 and nobody's going to give a shit. Like, the only reason I care is because, as I said on another program, uh, and as I say on an upcoming program, I have a particular vulnerability to COVID. Right. So I don't care. And I so badly, because if I didn't have that vulnerability, I wouldn't care. Give it to me. I don't care. Just let me give it to me. I'll make sure you don't get it. I'll keep my, I'll be respectful. That's part of the problem is people don't realize that these restrictions are in place, not because society's trying to come down on you. Society's trying to prevent you from giving it to other people. And you are inconsiderate if you're not participating. That's a tangent. But, you know, I don't care about myself if I didn't have this vulnerability. So with, with Jack... It was really interesting to hear what he had to say, but I think I think meet and greets, you'll you'll find a lot of social distancing probably would be, would be what I would say. Yeah, I I honestly don't see them coming. At least the meet and greets, whether touring starts before all this is you know before there's a vaccine, which I'm hearing now could be early next year as opposed to mid to late. Um, you know, and and this stuff changes daily, so who knows by the time this airs that where we'll be with that. But I don't see meet and greets coming back until there is a vaccine. And, um, you know, I went into the Apple store the other day and, uh, you know, had my mask on. I'm, I'm ready. And they actually are taking your temperature and they're asking you, have you been exposed? Do you have a cough? Have you had a fever? Any of that before they even let you make an appointment to see them. And then of course I had to come back two hours later for the appointment. And then they ask you all that again. So I think those plays may come into factor when touring does start, where they are taking temps, they are asking questions, and you know the, the temperature did not, the thermometer did not even touch my forehead. It just was close enough where it could read it, and of course I was normal. So I think that's going to play a factor in future shows, and it's probably going to take you know security longer to get you through. So, mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I think all this is just um, it, it's better to be safe than sorry, because when I'm out in it every day, so many people complain that, oh, you can only allow 10 people inside, uh, you know, op open the door. We're hot out here or, you know, we just can't uh, I'm not wearing a mask. You know, I just see the grumpiness and it's like, you know, 
nobody likes this lifestyle. Nobody likes living like this. We but won't be doing it because it, it will have given way to complacency and it'll just be it is what it is. Yeah. You know, I was saying I, I don't care. I care about my fellow person and that's why I would wear a mask. But if I had a stronger respiratory system, I'd say give it to me. Let me have it and get immune to it for a little bit so that I could just go about my life. I think we're just going to not deal with it. We're going to just say I'm going back to life as normal and come what may. Yeah, you know, and, and I've heard, too, that is, there's no guarantee that you're immune to it once you contract it. Mm -hmm. So, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm a germaphobe, so I don't, I don't particularly like <clears throat> touching carts and things anyway when I'm out and about. But, um, you know, it just makes the world e even more vulnerable because mm -hmm. you don't know. And, you know, I... I don't want to get sick myself. I don't well, want to get Well, one thing I think sick. people have, and I'll say this and then we'll wrap, but one thing I think people have misunderstandings about is the way insurance works. I just mm -hmm. got my Disney vacation information from my travel agent today that we're recording this, and they're not going to do the dining plan this year. And hmm. they're not going to do the dining plan, and you can get the typical vacation insurance but it doesn't cover COVID-19. I think it covers if you get it and you're sick and can prove you were hospitalized, but it doesn't cover, oh, there's an upswing, so I'm not going to come to Disney because Disney afraid. is open, but I don't want to travel. I think what Jack was saying about Live Nation and other promoters is that's what their sort of double indemnity, give it back clause is about. They're not insuring artists against, oh, I don't want to perform right. because COVID-19 is spiking. So that is the double-edged sword that we're going to have to live with for a little while. I, I don't agree with the double payment, though, no matter what. But I don't I, agree I get with it either. I get their side of it because they're like, well, we put all, all the marketing materials. People are coming to see you. Now you're going to pay us double. I, I don't know. I, I, I get where... I totally understand Jack's side of things, and I understand a little bit of Live Nation side of things, but I think at some point it it still sounds like it, it from what we've read that you know Jack was saying that it sounds like they're willing to maybe negotiate with is and he agrees that it shouldn't be just on the artist, so that's going to wipe an artist out quickly if they're not careful. Now, hearing that the insurance isn't as expensive as we would think puts a little more perspective into that, but still, um, I, I think... Right now, know, I'm reading on Facebook. Caesars Entertainment announces mask requirement at all properties. And somebody, I won't say the name, goes, they want everyone to be sheep. That's not what this is about. Exactly. This is about concern for your fellow man, and if you can't have concern for your fellow man, somebody like me, who looks healthy, but isn't on the inside... Fuck you a thousand times. Fuck you. Sorry. Yeah. It's 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 getting ridiculous with the opinions towards all this. You know, don't go then. That's all I don't want to wear a mask in a casino. I want to be able to breathe. I want to be able to go to a concert and have fun. Yeah. Exactly. I, you got to do it right now. That is the health guidance. So we will see. I'm sure. Just you forget the people at the CDC and at all the health organizations that are are recommending this. They're people just like you. They don't want to be wearing masks either. Okay, it's not natural. It isn't. Yeah. There are some cultures that are used to it. 
It's not natural. It's not what we should be doing ordinarily. So they are eager to give you different guidance and say, hey, it's okay. All you businesses can phase out masks and they will say it eventually. Yeah, but until it's safe, they're doing the right thing, which is looking out for, for public safety. And everybody should be doing that despite if you want to wear a mask or not. It, it's not about what you want to do. It's what you should do. Exactly. All right. Well, we have gone for 17 minutes, just us, never mind the interview. So I think we should wrap it here for the Music Universe podcast. I'm Matt. And um, buddy, thanks for listening. Keep checking out themusicuniverse.com and follow us on socials for the Instagram lives and weekend notes. And subscribe on YouTube for weekend notes as well. And our podcast. <laughs>